position in uh, Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courtside Sunoff Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shermanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour to speak to be sour, future jiu-jitsu world champion, Angel Ortega. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is 289 Fight Week pay-per-view going down from Canada. We got a fair bit of news as well as UC Vegas 74 to go over. Before we get jump into all that, we are brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Rogue Energy, keep me fueled up, keep me going throughout my day. Whether I'm at the gym, working from home, playing video games, no matter what it is, they keep me fueled up, they keep me energized, and they can do the same for you with code sound off for 10% off at checkout. Again, Rogue Energy code sound off 10% off on the opposite end, elixir.com. They're going to get you really high. They're going to do the exact opposite. They're not going to keep you energized. They're going to put you to sleep with their HHC Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10 products. They have joints, gels. They have it all joints, you know what I mean, like, if it, if you're, hey, you want, it's my birthday tomorrow, Angel, so, you know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna light up with some elixir, code sound off, 10% off, and you guys should too, like, <laughs> one up for your boy, you know what I'm saying, 20, 22 years old, so, but you know, you know what, Angel, we're gonna be spending, I mean, I'm gonna be spending my, my birthday watching UC 289, hopefully, that goes better in the main event than UFC Vegas 74 did this past weekend, Angel. Because I'll admit it, I did not stay up for this fight card. This, I mean, I think this wrapped up around like what one in the morning around our time. Uh, close, closer to midnight. I, I stayed up for it, so it was closer to midnight. Yeah, fair enough. It's still late. It's still late. You're not wrong. Fair enough. Regardless, though, flyweights in the main event ends up being Amir Al Bazi, who gets the win by split decision, 48, 47, 48, 47, 47, 48, being the scorecards. This was very, very controversial. In fact, I don't know if I've seen. A decision that has angered the MMA fan base in, uh, in in quite a minute, man. I mean, just for full context, Angel, give me your thoughts on the final. Five rounds back and forth. I don't think anybody doubts that uh, Kai Carr France was the aggressor. I don't think anybody doubts that he landed more shots, but obviously Abbasi had success in the grapple and near, nearly submitted him around three. What did you think about the fight, and how did you score it? Look, I had a ballsy winning man in the moment, right? I've gone back. I completely get both sides. I, I Look, I am part of the people that did think he was winning. Um, given the first three rounds, uh, definitely Kai Caro last two rounds. The judge who gave fucking Albaza the fourth round, I don't know what to say. Uh, that is, that is criminal. You know, I, I will fucking admit it to it. But look, man, I, there's been a lot of contests around this. I have no issue with you having a wrong opinion. I have no issue with this. I think if anything, this just opens up the, the conversation of scoring and kind of developing a different system. Cause I mean, Josh, people want change. People talk about it. People complain. You know, it's been talked about time and time again how the ten, not, you know, the the ten point system doesn't work. And uh, dude, genuinely, you got to think about it. I went back to have to watch to you. You know, I gave you my opinion right after the fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and think about it. The judge had to make that split decision that night out. He didn't get the benefit of replaying. He didn't get the benefit of looking back. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that that's another thing. And genuinely, genuinely, I, I recommend everybody go watch back round one. It, it, I do find it genuinely a hard fight to score. I see both sides of the coin. Uh, 
and people are like, well, you know, how, how can you be, how can, you know, there's already an issue with this saying you can see it one way, you can see it the other way, but I'm like, that's the nature of how it's scored, though. I think that's what is the issue. I don't think it's so much that it was, uh, I think if, uh, we had kind of a, a pro- look, let me say this, and it's something I thought of right afterwards. If we had the one FC style scoring where they score the final mm-hmm. overall and the last rounds play a major factor, this is Kai's fight. If we have pride style rule, uh, scoring, this is Kai's fight. We have a 10 point system. Based mm-hmm. off the 10-point system, this is why this fight was a split decision, and it ended up giving the nod to Albazi. If, if the fight was scored any different way, I think Kai wins. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I think because of the system we have now, uh, that's why Albazi got the nod. And not by a lot. I mean, he ended up looking out. I'm going to be honest with you. He did get it. And like I said, I'm one of the people that thinks he's Albazi. And there's a lot of contests, man. I think uh, the, the only reason I feel like very comfortable in talking about this because there's that times where I'm on the opposite end, Josh, and I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of come on here and I'm kind of nervous to talk about it. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of people who are with me. There's a no, lot. I understand. I understand. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of MMA. Like I saw a lot of uh, guys on Twitter who do that we follow that we know were on the Albazi side. I even heard a few fighters be on the Albazi side as well. And even some uh, fighters who were on the, on the, on the Kai side too. Uh, it is definitely interesting though that this is finally the one that, that for a while now has gotten the people rolling. When it really isn't the worst one that we've seen, in my opinion, in recent time, like you said, you know, no one will ever remember Olaski Collier, which you know is one of the, you know, a very bad one in recent time. And like I said, if you guys want to talk about robbery, think, and it's not exact, right? But there's a world where fucking Cheeto Vera wins fucking against Corey Sanhagen. Cheeto Vera got a whole school scorecard hit against Corey Sanhagen. If anything, we should have been protesting at the time because we there was a bit the slightest bit of possibility that the, the absolute wrong guy could have got the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this fight was interesting, man. I mean you brought the one FC scoring there, and you admitted that you were pretty much on the opposite side of things. I mean, look, I scored the fight for Kai Car France. Um, I will admit that I'm not nearly as angry about it as everybody else's. Um, I thought that, and, and, and look, part of it is also, I, I'm just as biased as ever. I'm, I'm just as susceptible as this as everybody else is. But guys, like, you know that whenever you're watching and, and, and tweeting fights, like, you know, you're all just coming to the same opinion. Like, you're all, you're all falling into the same thing. Like, I, I wasn't a part of that. I don't feel that rage probably because I wasn't in the echo chamber on fight night that was watching the fights and tweeting along. I just watched it on Monday morning. You know what I mean? Um, and I had Kai Car France winning for sure. I, I gave him round one, four, and five. I thought you can make a case, albeit a slight one for round one, uh, being Albazi, and I don't think you can argue two and three being his rounds. I thought it was actually a relatively close fight to score. Um, it's also one of those fights that, like, when you look on paper and, like, you see the strike counts, it looks really bad. But, like, fights aren't one on paper. That's, also, that's... I, w- I went back and looked at the fight stats. Most of, I mean, most of his punches, like, the majority came in the last two rounds, which were his most successful rounds. If you remove those and you look at the first three rounds, which are the main ones that are talked about, the punches are a lot closer. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another thing, because people are looking, everybody's, like, looking at stats, looking at this, looking at that. This is one of the times where I'd say, look, guys, stats are very deceiving because, Yes, Kai had a lot of output, but that output came in the last two rounds. I think he he uh had like a little over what he had in the first three in strikes in the last two. And uh, I had this conversation with you last week, Josh. Of fighters need to be need to get round one more decisively. Like I feel like round one is one of those rounds that either gets given away or it's a or it's a hard round to score. or There's something to it. You know what I mean? Like there's always some sort of. Granted, it could be any round, but I dude, one of the things that pisses me, giving losing round one. Or making round one close. 
I am one of the in fucking boxing and more in <laughs> anything that I hate when round one is is either given up or made hard to score. Mm-hmm. Well, we're just feeling each other out, Angel. That's all. No, you're not wrong. I mean, that is that is that is a thing. Let me tell you this, fucking, yeah. like. Kai obviously didn't get like he he found his comfort later in the later rounds. Obviously he was aware of the Abazi takedown and he was getting backed up to the fence and he was the guy on the back foot, you know. So that's another thing. But kind of to talk about both guys and kind of their uh, kind of look past the decision uh, for Abazi man. Uh, kind of nice to see a new face. I think he showed that he's capable of fighting at this level. Uh, he showed all his skill sets. I think I think uh, I think he still has a lot to like. He, he'll not necessarily a lot to prove, but I think he'll. Uh, He's gonna have to. He'll rally back very well. I think he'll have a better performance next time around, whatever it is fight may be. If it's Roy Bell or a title shot or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, as far as Kai, dude, a lot of people are like he's he has a lot of losses. He has eleven losses, but you gotta think about it. This kid's been fighting since like like since 2010. He's thirty. He just turned thirty not earlier this year. Six of those losses came at the start of his career. Four of those are, and then four of those are in the UFC. He had a split decision loss to Mirabazi. His other two, other three losses were to Brandon Roy Bell and a crazy round one, followed up by a second round guillotine by him and a, a decision loss to Brandon Moreno in 2019. And then a, I, I believe, was it Bacon at the time title shot or Bacon title against, uh, against Brandon, uh, last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I think people are looking at the record. Guys, it, it really isn't that bad. People are saying like he's in a tough spot. I, I think he's actually not in a terrible spot to come back, uh, especially with Davidson moving up to supposedly 135 after all the failed Manel Cape uh, fight attempts. Kai is a great guy, and uh, and, and he, he has a very high level. I don't think we should be worried. We saw that his takedown defense. We saw his toughness in the submission game. Uh, he's not going anywhere, guys, and don't be surprised if he's fighting for a title here in a year, a year and a half again. Yeah, I think you put that pretty well. I think people that are worried about Kai Car France should just take a look at the lay of the division. You know what I mean? Um, here's the reality of the UFC's flyweight division, and I love the flyweight division. I've always said that the flyweight division is one of my favorite divisions. Ever since, it's probably just because of DJ, honestly, but there's something about seeing those little fast fuckers just just move, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's one of my favorite divisions. The reality is is that it's not very deep, partially just because UFC doesn't really care about it. Like, they they care about the top five guys in that division. They care about basically nobody else. And Carter Carter France is one of those top five guys. Realistically, if Pantoja defeats Moreno, which is a very real possibility, I know that we all love Brandon Moreno, but Alexander Pantoja, the cannibal, bad motherfucker, already beat him twice. I mean, I mean, Carl Francis is right there. You know what I mean? Like, hypothetically, you just go out there, pick up another win, he could be right there for a title shot. So he'll be back, he'll be fine. Yeah, and he's never fought him either. So that's another thing. He doesn't have to. That's the big part, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's an option. Flyweight guys have already fought each other. Yeah, especially at the top. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think that Kai Car friends will be back. And in regard to Amir Abazi, what do you want to see next? I think a Brandon Roy Val title eliminator makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be time between uh, whatever the next title. But, I mean, the 125 title is only going to get defended one more time this year. And it's going to be Pantoja against Pantoja. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, unless some freak show ending or ends very quick or something, which, you know, it's always possible with these guys. Uh, maybe we see something in December, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know, but uh, it definitely be interesting. But yeah, I am a hundred percent. I am DTF Josh Brandon Royval Amira Boss. That's a banger fight. And uh, if people are upset with you know the decision, obviously I think that's kind of the best route to go. You know, make the fans happy by giving them 
a guy they they like and a guy they don't kind of like right now. You know, we kind of have the he's kind of got the villain arc right now. Like I I, I kind of play off it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I think I think Amir Albazi, if he can keep this going, you know what I mean? Like cause I saw some people shitting on him before this fight too. I don't know what it is. Maybe they just don't like his personality, but I don't think they knew his level either, man. No, no, I don't think. A hundred percent, no. I mean, yeah. def, definitely got it. A lot of people didn't know his level. I think he surprised a lot of people as far as what he can bring in the skill set he has. For sure, for sure. I, um, you know, that being said, I think it's about time to move on. But one last thing I do want to add: a Brandon Roy Valdemir Albazi fight. If they don't book that thing, I'm gonna be so fucking angry. <laughs> right? They they are robbing us of a because that's a, that's not entertaining as because you know one thing about he brings action. Brandon Roy Val always brings the action. Does not matter who. You know, and I think it'd be really interesting to see him take on a guy like Amir Albazi. Dude, is he like, the, like not the same, but is he like their Chandler? You know what I mean? Like guy who's like, he, he goes out there, you know, he gets that finish. You know I mean? He's a guy that if, if Brandon Roy Val fought at bantamweight instead of flyweight, he'd be one, like a top five beloved UFC fighter right now. By the way, just so you know, he has finished, he's either finished or been finished every single one of his UFC fights except one. One fight has gone to decision. Yeah, exactly. Brandon, Brandon, raw dog, Roy Val. Like, I think it's crazy. This kid is not. I don't want to say pushed by the UFC, but like, I feel like I never. I mean, last last time he fought, he whenever we saw him out in Kansas City, dog, he was curtain jerking. You know what I mean? Like, not exactly, but like he was on. He's on the early prelims. <laughs> should've, yeah, should have been on the main card, man. Should have been on the main card. Arguably, you know, like. And, and dude, like I, I don't even think we said this on the show when we were in the bathroom between fights, real quick. Brandon Ravel was up next, you know, because we ran in there quick because we're like, we don't want to miss this. And the guy even in the bathroom was like, come on, guys, let's hurry up. Brandon Ravel must watch CTV. You know, you got to get out there. Yeah, exactly. Granted, that guy, that guy knew. Granted, though, that guy's, that guy's like, he knew about fights, bro. He had that Clay Guida shirt on. Yeah, he knew about fights. He, he got, he passed the vibe check. You know what I mean? That guy, yeah, that, that guy passed the vibe check. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyways, man, yeah, I think it's about time to move on. Co main event, uh, not a whole lot to say about this one, but I do, I mean, what I do want to say. Alex Viserys picks up the win over Daniel Pineda, and I think that Alex Viserys, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, Angel, Alex Viserys, Bruce Leroy is like low-key the greatest story in the UFC right now. There's always, one, there's always one guy, you know, he's, is this his, well, no, I'm not going to compare it to that, because my heart was already broken once. Okay. You, I I mean, already, you knew who I was going to say. I don't know who you're going to say. I was going to say Rob Wilkerson. Oh, okay. Um, I would, anyways, what I was saying, Alex Caceres, low key, the greatest story in the UFC going right now. I mean, this is a guy that's been in the UFC since he was a young, young kid. I mean, he was, he, he debuted in the UFC back in 2011. He started out five and four in his career. And in fact, he got all the way up to 14 and 12 and he had lost like, you know, three of his last five fights. And I thought maybe, Back in 2019, maybe Bruce Leroy was on his way out of the UFC. And you know what he did after that, Angel? That motherfucker just said, fuck it, I'm I'm not losing. (laughs) He's won seven of his last eight fights. The one loss in there was to Sadiq Yusuf, and he's picked up wins over Daniel Pineda, Julian Arosa, Chase Hooper. I mean, Bruce Leroy is... 30, 34 now, and he's coming on, man. He's ranked threat seven of his last eight. What do you think about his win over uh, Daniel Pineda? It's what I expected, man. I, I I thought he would beat him. Obviously, I picked him the the, the when we were making our picks. 
Uh, for me, man, I think he's, he's, he's older right now. He's, he's in his thirties. He's peaking. You need to give him a push. Uh, I was looking at the rankings, Josh. He didn't get moved up at all. He's still at 15. Man, I'm looking at a Calvin Cater, Korean Zombie, Kika Chikaze fight, man. I'm looking at those three guys. If I'm him, those are the three guys I want. You think you're, do you think they'll actually give it to him though? That's the issue, man. That's the issue. But I, I, I don't think they'll give him Edson. I don't think he'll fight. Obviously, not Danny Ige's coming out. Obviously, he was bought Sadiq, but he, you know, he lost him. But I think they should give him the push and give him one of those three guys, man. I feel like it's what makes the most sense, especially a guy like Korean Zombie who's already looking like he's out the door. That ranking spot could be given to him and push up another younger guy up into the 15th spot, and it adds a new look into the division. I think uh, for me, the ideal fight would be a Korean Zombie fight or a Calvin Cater return fight uh, for him. Because uh, it'd still be competitive, and it'd be a guy I know who's a lot lower in the rankings, but it wouldn't give him someone, uh, I'd say like an Ilya Tapora, Mumbazar, Uvalev, who are like, you know, like really peaking hard as well right now, and who are, you know, a little closer to Calvin, but I, I don't know. I just, I just, I just enjoy that Alex Sarah's options are for those three guys, me personally. Mm-hmm. I hear you, dude. I want to see it happen. I mean, I think for me personally, I think that he needs a, um, he needs a big fight, man. I, I just want to see him get a big fight. I mean, Blue, Bruce Leroy, like I said, been in the UFC for a decade at this point, and basically he's been fighting a lot of these guys that, like, I don't know if the UFC wants them to beat. I mean, I, they're, they're throwing him a lot of these guys, man, and it's just I don't know if they expected him to go on this run, which is partially why I don't think they did, which is why they threw Sadiq Yusuf at him back in uh, 2022 last year and handed him, you know, his one loss. During his current winning streak, I hope they give him a step up. Though I think Alex Cesares, he deserves a step up. Um, the, his current winning streak came out of nowhere. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the guy. I did not see it coming, and so I think I, he needs one of those three names that you mentioned, dude. He needs a ranked guy. He needs a big name. Give it to him. He's earned it. I mean, seven of his last eight underdog. And by the way, if you look up the the record, I mean, if you look up you know MMA odds. I can probably just find it right now. For uh, Alex Caceres, I remember correctly, he's been the underdog in the vast majority of his last couple fights as well. So that's another part to add. To it. I, I think I picked him for pretty much every fight. Even the Sadiq Yusuf fight, I kid you not. I, I can actually prove that too. On my verdict, on my MMA verdict, if anybody fucking questions me on that. <laughs> You're like, don't you fucking question me about that. Hey, man, I'm just, just going to put it out there. I'm going to be honest. But uh, kind of, I mean, we can just move down one, Josh. I mean, I think we yeah. can kind of move down almost all the whole way down. Jim Miller, man, and granted, I could have bet my fucking life on this, dude. You know, I could have bet my, I could have bet my house, I could have bet my dogs, you know, I could have bet everything I own. Fucking Jim Miller, man, 23 seconds into the first round, finished left hook, followed by an uppercut. Jesse Butler goes down and out. Very sad for the UFC newcomer, but granted, he came in on what, Josh? Like, three days notice, four days notice? Something like that. It was, it, was, it might have even been two days notice. And he's a guy who generally fights at 45. Uh, so yeah, he he had a tall task, but especially fighting a veteran in Jim Miller, a guy who's literally seen everything. Uh, yeah, no, just overextended, and Jim Miller uh, caught him in it, and uh, lights went out. It was a sick finish, though, dude. Like, good for Jim Miller. Fucking looks. By the way, he looked in great shape, dude. Like I saw him, and I was like, he did. Like you could definitely tell he's aged. He has that aged, you know, older guy, healthy body who works yeah. out. But you you look at him, and you're like, he's definitely not your average guy at the gym either, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. I think it is, I mean, 
I mean, Jim Miller went out there and fucking killed that kid, basically, man. I mean, he he, he did the Mike Tyson hit him on the way down, dog. Like he <laughs> that shit he, is brutal, isn't it? That's the worst. Yeah, I mean, he was hit, dude. He knocked the three piece combination, put him out cold, and like those first, those last two shots, like <laughs> land on an already out like kid. Like that was crazy. But I mean, Jim Miller, dude. He, you know what? Speaking of that win, though, here's the big thing. I I pitched this on Twitter. It got a little bit of traction. Jim Miller said he wants to fight a UFC 300. He's won four of his last five, and the one loss to Alexander Hernandez, so it's probably going to happen. I said Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon 3, UFC 300, and induct their first fight into the UFC Fight Wing Hall of Fame. What do you think, Angel? They should, they should man. I'm, I get something, Josh. I am DTF down, Josh. I am down to fight. You know me. I love it. Yeah, I think that um, I think that's a that's a great that's a great booking, dude. I mean, I've been Joe Lowe's on Joe said that he wanted one more and um, he was supposed to fight Cowboy and it didn't happen. Dude, that would have been um, such a good fight too. I would I would imagine. I don't know. I mean, who knows what the results would? Yeah, have been. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it would have been a banger. You know, I mean, that, that's two all time action guys. But Jim Miller, Joe Zalon, running it back one more time at UFC 300, dude. I'd be so down. Curtain jerker two into the main card, whatever the main card will be, because they'll definitely stack it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that those are two vets. They're both looking, and I said like, maybe by the way, have if, to retire, but like you know, if they want you, to, they can. Is UFC three hundred? Would it be next year or the year after? UFC three hundred is going to be next July, I believe. Fuck, man, that's crazy! Wow. Mm. Yeah, so I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Jim Miller, I mean, Jalo's on three, UC 300, trilogy fight, let double retirement fight. Right. Let's fucking book it. Winner goes home. <laughs> Winner right? leaves. Maybe they both retire. Like I guess double retirement leaves, yeah. it's not another question. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's like that. It's like that UC Kansas City fight, man. Like double retirement. Ed Herman and our boy. So. Anyways, man, I mean, as far as the rest of the card goes, uh, UFC Vegas 74 was a solid one. It was a solid one. Um, what fights do you most want to talk about? I mean, Tim Elliott, man, I mean, highlighted him last week. Uh, also one fight under, I think it was the underdog going into this, which, uh, dude, I was so surprised. Like, some of these underdogs really surprised me this week uh, when I was looking at them. But uh, he came out and performed, which I, which is what I expected. I had this feeling, I'm like, guys, like, I don't, people need to put some respect on Tim Elliott, man, like, I know he's going through some shit, but I really think, like, look, Victor Alcimer Murano is good. He has potential. He has talent. But I just don't think he's going to get it done against Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott is not going to back down from him. He is a fucking dog. And he came out and performed, uh, which is awesome to see, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I mean, we talked about it on the show last week, and, and I'm sure everybody knows the story. But Tim Elliott has had a rough, rough time over the last 12 months. So for him to go out there and get the win, I mean, I was to be honest, I was I was absolutely one hundred percent sure he was going to get the win. I thought there was no way he was. I he took the anger of a year out on Victor Altamino. You know what I mean? Um, I was not surprised at all to see him pull off the win. I mean, rest of the card, man. I mean, Ilizu Celeste dos Santos picked up a win over Akubar Namaga made off by a split decision. Daniel, me, Daniel Santos defeating John Munoz by decision, disappointing fight. Um, in my <laughs> opinion. Was that what, was that the one with all the groin strikes? Correct, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and then we had our law. This one sucked. Our law, Jarolowski, losing by second round knockout. That might be he it, was, bro. 
That might be it, actually. That might actually be it. It's the first time that he's gotten knocked out um, since a loss to Yarzinho Rosenstrike, actually, back in 2019. It's his first knockout loss in four years, so damn shame. I mean, and I remember thinking he actually looked good in the first round, too. Like He got yeah. rocked at the, at the end with the elbow, but he was looking clean before that, you know? So yeah. that's the way it goes, man. But, you know, any closing thoughts on this card before we go ahead and move on? Uh, I said that not too much. I mean, I also wanted to download a, a download, highlight. <laughs> I'm downloading information right now, Josh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Damon Blackshear against uh, Luan Lacerda. Great performance there as well. Uh, Moh- Mohamed Nayov coming in on short notice. I think like two or three days, something crazy as well on that. Against Jamie Malarkey. Jamie Malarkey looking great early on in the first round. Uh, and then in the second, man, maybe getting a little too comfortable at Oversellis. Namai of catching him in the in, in the following round, uh, sick finish by him, crazy way to come into the UFC, uh, obviously awesome. I know that they uh, mentioned some stats from the country because he comes from Tajikistan. I hope I pronounced that right. And it's apparently, not for me. <laughs> they, they, apparently they had a lot of people watching, and it was like some time early in the morning over there. They had like a, a few million people watching something crazy to to come out and watch because they had another uh, Muan Gafurov. He was fighting John, uh, John Castaneda. He was also from the same country. Mm-hmm. So uh, those guys brought in some attraction from there. So it's awesome to see that uh, they were able to bring a new crowd or, or you know, or I should say maybe a growing MMA crowd. That was, that was definitely awesome to be mentioned on the broadcast. That's pretty sick. That's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, man, um, I actually don't know that they had, like, a whole bunch of people watching in its own country. Um, that makes yeah. sense, though. Yeah, um, they were pulling some numbers or anything. I don't know exactly what it was, but I, I think I heard in the millions. I could be incorrect, but – if you do go back and uh, rewatch the replay, uh, they do mention it very early on. If for some reason you do want to go back. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. But, you know, I think it's about time to move on because we have UFC 289 coming up, Angel. Pay-per-view. We're back. Canada fans, we're back. We have, like, two good fights. <laughs> dude, I, I, dude, Josh, I don't mean this is the most stacked card of the year. Yeah, this is the most stacked card of the year. We got... We got we we got Mark Andre Burial opening up the card, baby. You know, just, no, I mean this. I legitimately feel so bad for Canadian fans. You know what I mean? I'm not even joking, dude. Like you know how like whenever the pandemic ended and like the UFC went to the UK with like some of the most stacked cards that the UK fans have ever gotten, and then they went to Can. This is their first Canada card since the pandemic ended. And they went. Fuck your maple syrup. <laughs> Here's an Amanda Nunes title fight. <laughs> Give me your thoughts, though, man. I mean, obviously, we got her against Irene Aldana. That appears to be the fight. Now, obviously, Aldana has had a bunch of weight issues. She doesn't took his fight on short notice. Raquel Pennington is back up. I think this is probably the first time where it's, like, legitimately, where, like, it might actually really happen. But right. as of right now, Amanda Nunes, Irene Aldana is the fight for Saturday. What do you think, man? Early thoughts. Early thoughts. Well, I mean... Let's get right into it, man. Amanda Nunes, I mean, the the women's goat, right? Uh, time and time again, we always mention it. Uh, kind of her amazing talent, kind of how levels above she's been a, uh, her competitors. Time and time again, though, Josh, we say it, it's just like, what, what can anybody really do? She's just really that good. You know, there's just this gap between her and everybody else. Is Irene Aldana the person who's going to come in and do it? I don't know. Obviously, we did have Juliana Pena, but we also had at the time, you know, she's coming back from COVID. She hadn't been at this weight for a while. 
And they were stuff they added to it. And then she came back and fucking, what'd she do? 50-45 or 50 or, or, uh, what was the score? Yeah, she, I mean, it was like 50-43. She get the fuck out of her. Yeah, it was, it was like 50-43. I knew it was an out, you know, it was a marginally big gap in the scorecard. Yeah. But, uh, look, I know Irene's been putting in some hard work at the Lobo Gym and the Antrim Gym as well. Obviously, Grasso, one of her main training partners throughout her whole MMA career, they actually watched the, the first embedded episode and, uh, uh, Grosso mentioned, she's like, yeah, I remember coming into the gym and I saw her sign up and sign the waiver and she, and then she kind of, I, there was not a lot of girls at the time and, uh, I, I asked if she wanted to train and ever since then me and her kind of just stuck together being training partners and helping each other out this whole time mm-hmm. and we're still here and, uh, nothing's changed because, you know, it's like, oh, another girl, another girl. Let's, you know, we're the only girls here. Let's train together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, for Irene, man, obviously we know her, her boxing is kind of her, you know, her thing, her bread and butter. But I just don't know if she's going to be able to maybe stand in the pocket like she wants to against Amanda Nunes, or she's going to stick and move. And if, I, and if the fight does go to the ground, you know, is she going to get overwhelmed by Nunes' uh, strength and power? Obviously, we know Nunes is capable of submitting as well. I saw that they were working on some, uh, in that particular embedded uh, episode, I saw they were doing some groundwork. So I wonder if they're maybe thinking about taking the fight to the ground because, you know, maybe they thought Juliana found with the kind of success she found there or attempting to get those takedowns. Maybe it could be mm-hmm. a factor that could leading to winning the fight. Uh, regardless for man, it's Amanda the whole way. Obviously, I think Irina has a lot of pressure on her. I mentioned to you this, uh, I think, privately, and I don't know if I did on the podcast, where I was like, you know, with all these, uh, right now with the rise of Mexican MMA, I'll see Grosso, Brandon, and even Yair with the uh, interim title. You know, they got, there is three Mexican chants right now. Uh, and obviously, you know, two officially, but one with the, you know, interim title. And, uh, I don't know. Is she overwhelmed by that? Is that playing a factor into her? Or, you know, it could be inspiring. Uh, obviously, she's going to be getting a lot of support and love from the, uh, from obviously the Mexican fans and the Mexican fighters are always rallying back for each other and they have, you know, those, those guys and gals are, are, are tight. You know, I've told you they, uh, that, uh, I follow a lot of them on Instagram and Twitter and even some smaller, uh, gals are on the come up, you know, and they're always posting stuff about each other or pictures with each other, eating out with each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And you'll see one person from one gym or another weight classing out with one or the other. Uh, she just has uh, she has a, a lot on her plate right now, man, and I, I just don't know how it's going to go. And uh, it, it might just be another Amanda Nunes clinical win. I could even see a finish very early on in the first or second round. Yeah, I mean, I'm on a, I'm on a similar page, man. I, I like Irene Aldana a lot, uh, but I've ever since this fight got announced, I, I was. Even whenever they're talking about whether it's going to be her opinion, I remember everybody was like, you know, I don't want to see the Pena trilogy, but I was like, man, I think it'll still be more competitive than Aldana, probably. I mean, I don't, I don't mean, here's the weird thing about Irene Aldana. Like, I feel like she's gotten better over the years, but like, I don't think it, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like she hasn't really impressed me much, man. I mean, she beat Yana Kunitskaya, but she missed weight. She beat Macy Shaysaw, but she missed weight. Prior to that, she lost to Holly. She knocked her Caitlin Vieira in a banger. I mean, I'll give her credit. That was a big one. But um, that was sick. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't have much faith in her. I I, I think uh, Nunes is going to go and get the win here. I think on the feet, Aldana has a chance, which is why I think Nunes is probably going to take his fight to the ground. And yep. I think on the ground, Nunes is is uh, I think her top pressure and her control is going to be a big issue for yep. Aldana. On the same page, man. I completely agree. And look, this, I mean, I also got to remember, man. Irene Aldana was came back and tried to box Holly home. That's true. You remember that, and you saw how that went. Did not go well. So yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we have the possibility, Angel, of there being four Mexican champions after this weekend. 
bro, that would be the craziest shit ever, man. I mean, dude, I, I, you know what's funny is I remember hearing everybody talking about the Dagestanis and the Russians, and and to be clear, like they're not lacking in representation, but like, uh, oh no, they're not. They're everywhere, man. There's no issue there. No, there's not. But they're dude, everywhere, man. The Mexicans took over the fucking sport this year, dog. I mean, Moreno champ at flyweight, Volkanovski champ. Uh, not Volkanovski. Obviously, Volkanovski is the, the United, what is it? Uh, unified champ at 145, but Yair has the one as uh, the interim title, obviously. So I still count him as a champion. You know what I mean? Alexa Grasso's champ. For pure chaos, I kind of want to see Aldano win. <laughs> could you but, imagine? Uh, could you imagine the sport if that happened right now? Like, it'd be, like, it'd, look, I think it'd be a very good thing, right? Because of, like, you know how, how how the this division's looked at, right, and all of that. Well, I mean, that's not up to us, man. You know, so we'll have to see this weekend what uh what Irene can do. Like I told you, I, I, Chris, she does she crack under pressure? Does she do anything? Does she close the gap at all? You know, or is there still or is there still this gap between Amanda Nunes and everybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that there is a relatively large gap, but I guess we'll see you on Saturday. You know, um. In terms of uh, the co-main event, I think, let me, let's be honest, dude, the co-main event is the real main event, the people's main event. <laughs> the people's main event. <laughs> it is. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. This no, is, I'm, this, not, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not disagreeing with you, champ. I'm not disagreeing with you, champ. Oh, I thought you were doing a bit. All right, all right. No, you're well, good, champ. You're good. You're good, champ. All right, anyway, so I think that this uh, this is the real main event of the evening, if we're being completely honest. Um, Charles Bronx Oliveira. The champion has a name, Angel. And he's back, taking on Benil Daryush. Obviously, Charles Oliveira been gone since last October when he lost to Islam Makachev. The ending to the Oliveira era, which in my opinion was some of the most fun time I've ever had in MMA. I, I said Angel in the green room whenever I was talking, when we were talking about some of Oliveira's most recent wins. I was like, I wish I appreciated more in the moment. You know what I mean? Like, because Oliveira's win streak is not one that you're not going to see. That's You're not going to see that for a very long time. Um, but he's taking on Benil Daryush, 34 years old, long, long been trying to get a title shot, putting putting together not a Oliveira-type run, but a very entertaining run that many people did not expect. Um, you know, he's won, I believe, eight fights in a row, including a win over Mateus Gamrat last October. Many thought that would get him a title shot. It did not. He will not have to go through the former champion, this weekend to get that title shot. Angel, do you think he does? I know that a lot of people, everybody loves Oliveira, but I think most people have kind of also come to the conclusion this is kind of a bad style matchup for him a little bit. I mean, it can be. Obviously, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm very I'm curious to see if, how these ground exchanges are, if they even happen, if the fight mostly takes uh, mostly takes place on the feet. Uh, for me, though, man, Benio Darius obviously – you know, fighting the submission ace and Charles Oliveira, we've seen it. Who's mass, you know, has shown confidence and a lot of growth in his uh in his stand up game, and where a lot of success came during his title run at that man. It wasn't even it wasn't the submissions. It was it was the it was the finishes on the feet, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, not one afraid to back down. Obviously, a guy who's very well rounded has a great jujitsu game himself as well. Uh, will he be able to match up against Charles Oliveira? Though we'll have to find out. I mean, that's a big question mark for me. On top of that. He is a heavy-handed motherfucker, man. We saw him drop Gamrot with a right hand from hell, which, dude, that fucking right hand, I don't know how the fuck Gamrot got back up from that, dude, because he dropped him 
bad. Like he, you mm-hmm. heard it. You heard it crack. You heard it everything. And I was like, fuck, that shit was loud. <laughs> uh, but I'm, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, I wonder what's going to happen in, in that department. For me, man, I, I'm leaning the, the Benil Daryush way. Uh, the main thing for me is I think he's going to be confident on his feet. I think he has a lot of faith there. I think he's willing to drop bombs and trade with Oliveira. And he has no fear of being taken down or going to the ground because he knows he can uh, he can defend and throw up his own submissions if need be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I think I've been going back and forth on this fight all week, man. And the reality is is that I think Benil Daryush, like, on paper, is a really tough stylist. I mean, that's why I brought it up, honestly. I think, like, on paper, stylistically, it's a really tough matchup for Charlie Olives. But fights aren't fought on paper, Angel. Because <laughs> the Oliveira era is beginning this weekend at UFC 289 Let's at the Rogers Center in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You know the Oliveira era begins again, baby. You heard it here first. You know something base pick, base pick. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I really wouldn't be. I don't know if I believe it, but I kind of at this point, like I'm, I kind of like just doing hype picks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, my shit's already fucked up. Picks is for the it, year, so is it really? Uh, yeah, we're we're tied. If in case you guys are curious, I don't. You know what's funny is we've we've, we've gotten a big influx of like subs, like subscribers and listeners or whatever. I don't know how many people know, but like I've won the last since twenty twenty to to this year. I've won every single year in the picks. Like, but this year we're tied thirty four twenty six and one. It's gonna come down to the fucking wire, dude. <laughs> Unless we just randomly start like. Just going off, but I'm, I've tried to lock in my picks more this year, man. But even then, I mean, there's been a lot of fucking upsets. Too. There's been a lot of upsets, yeah. But yeah, so, anyways, man. We also, you know, obviously that's the co-main event. And let's be honest, the main event and the co-main event are doing a hard carry. I mean, Charles Oliveira. I, I, I'm, I'm worried that he may not be able to make the fight this weekend based on the fact that he's having to carry this card so hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, he may, he may damage his back. You know what I'm saying? Um. God. But, I mean, we'll talk about the rest of the fights on the main card, man. I mean, you got Mike Malott coming back against Adam Fujic. Uh, obviously, Mike Malott, arguably the best prospect of welterweight right now. Granted, there's a couple of other names you could also throw in there. There's so many, man. There's too many. Yeah, true that. Um, but he's coming off a couple of big couple of big wins in the UFC. Uh, I'm expecting him to go out there and get another big highlight win here. What do you think, man? I'm on the same boat, man. He just looks like he has that it factor. And he's in fucking Canada, too, representing... I'm sure he'll get a lot of love and being on the main card. It's just the perfect, uh, perfect story, man. It's written in the stars, it, for sure. And they put him on here for a reason. They, you know they what know. I mean? Like they, they, they know. know, they know. Yeah, they know. They know that this kid's a real deal. So, anyways, man, um, featherweight banger, dude. This this fight uh, is probably going to be the best fight on the main card. Probably the best. It's going. It's almost definitely going to be on his fight of the night. Could Dan be. Ige. 50K Ige, who's coming off a win over Damon Jackson in January. Knockout inside of two rounds. Taking on Nate, the train lane where Nate the train is in the UFC, baby! Let's go! You know? I love that, man. You know? Every time. <laughs> Nate the train, man. Let's fucking go. And this is his big, this is his big moment, Angel. I mean, everybody talks about him being like an entertaining fighter and him being a wild guy. But four wins in his last five, including over some pretty decent names. Do you think he can go ahead and pick up the win and potentially be ranked out of this weekend? I don't think so, man. I think he's going to get punished against Danny Ige. I don't think he'd come forward like that. I feel like Danny Ige will take advantage of that and be able to put a guy out. I mean, 
don't know if you remember, dude, but when Gavin Tucker ran across the cage to come at Danny Ega, he put his lights out on 22 seconds in the first round. And I don't think Nate Landwehr is going to be able to do the same thing. Uh, he's been caught, too, before in the first round. Herbert Burns with a knee. Uh, Julian Rosa also a flying uh, – it was a flying knee. The other one from the clinch. Uh, look, he's captured some good wins. I just don't think if he fights the way he has fought, it's going to work against Danny Ige. You know? I think he'll get punished against Danny Ige. Yeah, I mean, same page. I mean, as much as I love Nate the Train, I would love to see Nate the Train title run. Don't think it's going to happen. I feel like um, at some point he'll hit a ceiling. I mean, he could be Danny Ige. You never know. Uh, but I, I think he has a limit, and it's just a matter of time before we see it. You know, No matter what, he's a fun guy. But like I said, I mean, he could prove me wrong, and I'd be perfectly okay with that because he's a super entertaining guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go ahead and take Danny Ige, though. I think he's the cleaner striking. I think he really only needs it to hit. I mean, He's he's an underrated guy for like Danny Gay. Like there there are some guys that excel this better than others, but I feel like he excels at finding the shot. You know what I mean? Um, and I think he's gonna find it against Nate Lamore. No offense, actually, hangs his chin up way too much in the air. I mean, he could wear him down and maybe win a decision, or maybe get him out of there late in the fight. But I just don't think it's gonna yeah. happen for him. No, no, I mean, there's there's certainly a path to victory. You're not wrong. It's just, yeah, I sweat it or not, he does it. You know, mm-hmm. obviously. I just don't think he'll be able to do it against Danny Ige. And like I said, we'll we'll see his limit soon rather than later. Mm-hmm. For sure. But opening up the main card is a middleweight tilt between, as I mentioned earlier, Marc-Andre Varial, who, you know, coming off a knockout win over Julian Marquez in March, he's going to be taking on Eric Anders, uh, who, you know, your boy, been around in the game. And you see for, you know, uh, a long time now, like over five years. It's like he's been in the UFC for a deceptively long time. Um, and well, excuse me, over five years, I believe. But anyways, nonetheless, what do you think about this fight, man? Um, pretty even, kind of a pick'em in my opinion. But what do you think? Yeah, kind of a pick'em too. I mean, for me, it's kind of like if Eric Andrews can find success early on in the first, you know, first or second round. I think if the fight kind of draws on, I think Mark can find some success later on and kind of get a decision win if he can. You know, avoid the athleticism of Eric Anders early on and avoid any big shots or pressure. Hmm. That makes sense, yeah. I'm going to – shoot, if I could flip – I don't have a coin next to me, though. I'd flip a coin. Uh, I'll go ahead and take Mark Andre Ariel. I'm on the same boat. I mean, I'm picking the Canadian as well. Yeah, I think in his home in his home country, you know um, – it's, it's poetic again, man, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also Eric Anders. Eric Anders just – I don't know if he's coming or he's going half the time, man. He just – I don't know, it's just so inconsistent. So I'm going to go ahead and take, but not the marker on dry very old is the symbol of consistency, but I'm going to go ahead and take him. Oh, come um, on. <laughs> you know, I, but, you know, I They almost that, have identical records. It's kind of scary. I mean, it's one loss of difference. Yeah, right. Um, But while we're, while we're, you know, speaking of middleweights, might as well go one down. I think it's crazy this fight was not put on the main card. Um, Nasruddin Imavov. It should be See, one up, realistically. It, it should be on the main card. But taking on Chris Curtis, both these are ranked middleweights coming off a loss as they both need a win. What do you think of this one, man? I think this fight's going to be an absolute banger. Oh, no, I love it. Uh, I mean, Chris, obviously, the older fighter, 35 years old, in need of the win, going on 36 this year, was in the rankings, has fought. You know, you got there's, there, there's one thing you can't take from Chris Curtis. This fucker fights, man. He has <laughs> fought so much since he's coming to UFC. This will be his, what, sixth fight, seventh fight? Seventh, what is that? Yeah, seventh fight in the UFC. Uh, 
fucking what is it? Phil Haas first fight, Brendan Allen, Rodolfo Vieira, Jack Romanza, Joaquin Buckley, Kelvin Gaslam, and now Nazarene Ibamov. I mean, he's fought the essentially the who's who's of this division and uh, names that are known in this division as well. I mean, those are those are all guys you know. If you watch the sport, you know every single one of those names. Not a single unknown name in that uh, uh, mix of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and you know. Chris Curtis, he's you know he's actually had a bit of week, you know. He had his, his podcast debut alongside alongside Sean Strickland, you know. He's coming back for his sake. I hope it's not another close decision because he'll have a heart attack, you know. Um, just based off of the last fight where I saw he, you know, he was really upset about the Kelvin Gastelum loss. I, you know, for his sake, I hope however it goes, it's decisive. Um, but, I mean, I like Chris Curtis, though, man. I really like Chris Curtis. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that guy, you know. I remember people getting – I remember seeing after his last fight where people were mad, you know, that he was mad about the, the controversial loss to Kevin Gass. And I was like, man, if I were if I were Chris Curtis, I'd walk around mad all the time. Like, it's just, this guy should have been in the UFC, like, at least five years before he actually was. So, um, I get his anger. But, nonetheless, excited to see him back. We'll see how it goes. But, I mean, as far as the rest of the card goes, I mean, it's definitely light. It's pretty light. Not to say yeah. there's not good names, but it is pretty light, man. Um, obviously, the big the big one, my fighter to watch for this week, Angel. Not a whole, not a whole surprise. I mean, if you <laughs> – come on, it's not a surprise. Miranda Maverick. Um, obviously, I've highlighted her for a long time. I was there for her, you know, her early fights over in Invicta. I was cage side getting to cover – cover them and seeing her development and seeing her improvement from fight to fight to fight is just so impressive uh riding a two-fight winning streak and she's ranked number 15 at women fly looking to pick up a winner of jasmine jasmine i think she will i think Miranda maverick man i you know i've always said aaron blanchard's probably like you know she's she's the one i've always been most confident of of like a prospect that like i think has the ability to be a champion Miranda maverick's not far behind her i think she's also very good but, you know, in terms of Angel, in terms of his UFC 289 pay-per-view card, any closing fights you want to talk about? Any fires you want to highlight, man? I mean, there's some other hidden names in there. Obviously, David Dvorak, obviously the late opponent change, was supposed to be Matt Schnell, which is going to be a great 125 event. Uh, Steve, what is it, Erseg? Uh, where's the he from? I believe Australia coming in on short notice, 9-1 and one guy. I mean, who knows? Maybe he can come in and make some noise. Big opportunity here against the... The older, experienced fighter, uh, one of the older guys in flyweight, trying to make a, a big, looking for a big statement win here. Because I think he's coming off a loss. Yep, coming off two losses, but no Kate Matias Neckler, both decisions. So, kind of a kind of a nice one to potentially balance on here. Uh, the ever so loved Twitter gal Deanna Belvita coming in against Maria Oliveira should be a banger fight. Uh, I think that's a. I think this will be. I, I think this will be an unappreciated fight, especially because it's opening up and it's a woman's fight too. But uh, I definitely, for anybody, I, if I were you, I'd tune in. I feel like we're in for a good one there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And overall, I mean, as much as I shit on this card, it's probably going to be fun, man. I feel like anytime the UFC, they're in front of a rabid crowd, and I know this is one's going to be, the show ends up being better regardless. So, um, yeah, man. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. Uh, we do got a couple of uh, things to go over in terms of news, including a big fight announcement. Angel? It has been over two years since Chris Weidman snapped his leg at UFC 261 against Uriah Hall. 
Over two years later, he will now look to return against Brad Tavares at UC 292. He would look to do the impossible and pick up a win. What do you think about it? Is this the right booking? And what do you think about Chris Weidman even returning to the octagon in general? I mean, I, I don't know if it was a good idea, man. I I kind of thought it was done after that uh, after the leg break that we were. I mean, you you were there for it, weren't you? Didn't you come out and watch that with all the guys that night? Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, we were all there, and fuck, man, I remember everybody's reaction, everybody's freak out. I thought that was in Chris Webman. I didn't think he was going to come back after that. I thought that was in the career. Uh, he was doing some stuff through uh, some broadcasting stuff, doing some pre-show stuff uh, for the UFC, uh, doing some podcast stuff, and I thought that was kind of the direction he was going to go, which I was like, dude, that's awesome. That's cool to see because um, he's definitely a fun guy to listen to, has a – has a really fun personality once you he kinds of get it, uh, gets to let it out. Something that I you know I never saw outside of you know, just him fighting in general. Um, but I I just don't know, man. I mean, if he wants to come back, man, that's completely your choice. You're your own man. Uh, and maybe he can do some stuff. I always said, man, if he was healthy, I think he would have been one of the more interest, one of the most interesting matchups for Izzy because of the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, obviously, I don't think. I think a potential easy fight is way out of the equation. Um, I mean, at this point, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I mean, he can still put on fun fights, man. I think, you know, I mean, I think that some people want him to, like, retire, and I get it. But, like, I, I'd encourage people to go watch his grappling match uh, with Owen Livesey. Or Livesey, I apologize if I pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, but regardless, nonetheless, he was, he's, there's a pretty entertaining grappling match. And you saw Weidman actually working in there, and he looks... Not like, I don't know, he's not a world beater or anything. He doesn't look like he's in a great position in life, but, like, he's still improving. He's still getting better. And um, I think that, not improving or getting better, but, I mean, like, in terms of not compared to his prime, but compared to the leg break. I feel like I have to keep on putting, like, asterisks on it that way people know what I'm saying. But, like, yeah, he's in, he's improving compared to the leg break, man. I think um, he looks more mobile these days. He seems to be in good shape. Let's see what happens, you know? Let's see it. Fuck it. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Used to 292, that fight card, obviously going to be headlined by Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley up in Boston. So it's going to be a fun one. Um, Next bit of news, we got tough talk. Now, granted, we're not going to talk about the episode this week because by the time we're filming, uh, it's not out yet. Um, But that being said... We're going to go and talk about the ratings because, Angel, we talked about before this season started, we said, okay, you know, tough. Nobody's watched it in years. This should be the big one. You know, this this should be this should be the, the, the season where everybody comes back, people were watching. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter episode one, man, disappointing ratings uh, instead, actually. Ends up getting 294 ratings, which is less than half of what Connor's last Ultimate Fighter coaching uh, appearance, like, synth was when he was against Uriah Faber. So, pretty shocking numbers, man. Uh, what do you think about about this news? I don't know. I, I wasn't that surprised because of, you know, think about the, uh, at the time when the Connor season, the original Connor season happened, kind of, and that was peak, right? That was the pinnacle, right, at the time of his career. And now we've kind of, you know, he's it's a few years off, stuff has happened, lost fights. Obviously, the state of the world, too, has changed a lot, you know. Price of the fucking ESPN subscription has changed, like, five times. <laughs> uh, fucking pay-per-views, too, at that. 
Uh, it doesn't come as a big surprise to me. I, I saw someone laid out really well on Twitter. I almost wish I had that tweet pulled up because I feel like they had a really good uh, explanation. They were very articulate in the way they worded it. I wish I could find that. I don't know. But like I said, to me, it doesn't come as a surprise. Obviously, it's it's a bit disappointing. I'm because it seems like it's in a shape up to be a good season. Um, I don't know. I mean, outside of that, uh, I don't have too much else to say. Yeah, fair enough, man. Obviously, um, in terms of like, I knew that it was not going to be like, for example, um, I knew it was going to pull it over a million, right? But I expected it more, I guess. Um. I think I think this is kind of just the death nail to tough. I feel like if anything, um, not not to say because like you know two hundred ninety four thousand people is not a small number by any means, but um, yeah, man. I mean that number for Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, Coach Season. Do you think it's just people are just sick of the show? Do you, do you think people are just done with reality TV, Angel? Uh, maybe I, I don't know, man. Well, you know, there's still some reality TV that gets a lot of attention, like The Bachelor. Uh, Survivor knows another big one, uh, Big Brother, you know, so it, it's definitely not done, because I know stuff like that still gets rating, uh, what else, The Amazing Race, right, like, I know those are stuff that's still around, that's still, it's been going on forever, and they still get attention, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, um, I don't know, man, it's just, uh, yeah, they, uh, and there was also way less traction, people talking about it than I expected as well, which was another part of it. Um, but regardless, man, I think that, um, yeah, it is what it is. I think that this season is interesting. I'm excited to talk about it next week because we'll actually we'll probably film on Wednesday next week. So we'll actually be able to talk about the show, but, um, yeah, man, overall surprising ratings, man. I was very, very surprised at how few people seemed interested. Nonetheless, though, we do have a little bit more news to go over. Ryan Garcia, some news, um, about him. He's been kind of low-key, man. Ever since the loss of Gervonta, we heard that he left Coach Joe Goosen. Um, and we've seen some chatter about issues with Oscar De La Hoya, but we haven't heard anything confirmed. Well, it's been confirmed. He said he did a video alongside uh, Bradley Martin, a uh, YouTuber who, funnily enough, we already mentioned, he called him a dumbass last week. For saying <laughs> he can beat Devin Haney to Street Fight. But regardless, um, he was talking to Ryan Garcia, and he uh, – Ryan said, after I lost, everybody left me pretty much. Everybody abandoned me. Um, my management didn't, my management and team didn't even show up to the prep, the post fight press conference. I had nobody left and I'm making my entire new team. Uh, Angel, what do you think about that information, man? I mean, uh, the press conference thing we knew, uh, cause Oscar did not show up. And then afterwards, I'm not sure if you saw this part of it, Ryan said those comments and then Oscar De La Hoya lost his fucking mind on Twitter. Yep, I saw that too. What the fuck is up with it, man? What's going on? I don't know, man. This is boxing for you, dude. Yeah. This, this is a state of boxing. Um, I don't know for the team thing and them not going to press there. It might have been there might have been some miscommunication thing that I read somewhere. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, I don't. I don't remember the exact thing that I saw. Mm-hmm. For the, you know, kind of to mention that a little bit or bring kind of touch on that topic. I mean, he moved teams. I mean, I mean, he's changed coaches what like two or three times already. In his career, I mean, there's guys who've done that a fair bit. I mean, fuck, Joshua did it right, like yeah. in a recent time. Uh, Wilder's done it. I mean, it's definitely not an uncommon thing. But he's so young, it makes you wonder, you know, like is this a him thing? Is it a coach thing? Does he just really is he not really satisfied? Is he indecisive? I don't know. What I feel like one of the biggest mistakes was getting away from Eddie Reynoso, man. You know, I know that mm. he said he felt like 
they weren't giving him a lot of time, but at the same time, the guys he had there, they were, they were champs. They had to put a lot of time into him. He felt like they, they were getting some more attention. But according to Canelo, he said that, that he was always available. He was always there and that if he needed anything, they would obviously, uh, they would help him out. Uh, it is what it is, man. I think, uh, I, I really hope Ryan can find himself on the right path again and kind of put himself in a position to find success because he's a good guy. He's a good kid. He has talent and he brings a lot of attention to the sport. He's capable of bringing a lot of eyes, like we saw in the tank and uh, in his fight. Uh, but man, this is just boxing, man. There's drama. The only thing is, like, unlike you know, the, something that boxers can do, unlike MMA, is that they can, you know, they they can stand their ground. Where in MMA, you can't really stand your ground against Dana or your promoter at that, for the most part. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I mean, this Ryan, this Ryan stuff, man. It just um, it's disappointing, man. I mean, if it's true that and that's par- partially because of the Eddie Reynoso situation and the way that things ended with Canelo. I'm like, did did they really abandon you, Ryan? Like, like just because if you keep on crying wolf, it's like, at a certain point, I'm like, eh. But then I saw Oscar lose the mind on Twitter, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I can believe that Oscar De La Hoya was not true in supporting Ryan Garcia. You know what I mean? Um yeah, man, it's sad. It is what it is. It's not un- all that unsurprising, but you got to look at. I, mean, I do I, miss. I, I, I do miss that old time though. Like I know I cut you off there, but damn, bro, when he had fucking Canelo and fucking Oscar right there watching him ringside in this fight, he gets that knockout and the music starts playing and the hype and all the crowd. It's like, damn, this kid really is going to be a superstar one day. Yeah, and and he's still. I mean, he's a superstar. Oh yeah. But the thing is, is he doesn't have the fighting ability, seemingly to compete with the likes of the top guys in that division. And also, furthermore, it's like... Well, I don't know, Josh. Because, I mean, this is I mean, the kid who beat Luke Campbell, the, the Olympian, and... Yeah, Josh, no, no, I'm not doubting that. I'm not, I'm not, and, but there's also the a difference between Luke Campbell and the top of the division. You're, but, dude, Luke Campbell fought the who's who the division. You know, and he had his moments. He had his success as well. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not disputing that he, he didn't have his moments or he didn't have his success. And look, this I'm is, just this saying... Is, I'm and just this saying, is, it's one fight against the top echelon. I'm saying, like, champions, top top five I mean, guys, I don't think Ryan could compete with them. I mean, I don't know yet. I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, he had one against... Yeah. You know, he had this one against uh, Trevante. Uh, he had the fucking rehydration clause. He was at 136. You know, he he said he would he wants to fight at 140 regularly. I mean, there's there's still a lot, man. I, I, I don't know what his cap is still. You yeah. know what I mean? And Fair turns, enough, and I'm not writing him off. I'm just you saying, got, like, with and all look, going and, on. And realistically, you got to think. This is another thing I mentioned to someone. Look at where Tank was in his career. Like, look how good Tank is in his career, and look how where Ryan's at in his career. But like, they were at two completely different places in their career. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I mean, Ryan had what one fight against a guy who contended for the title before, a big contender, where Tank had already defended his titles multiple times against some fucking killers. You know. And guys who have proven themselves against other guys as well. Yeah. No, for sure. And like, like I said, I'm not writing him off. I'm just saying I question if with all the changes, uh, like we know right now he can't compete with the top echelon. But it's the it's the moving forward. Will he ever be able to? I question if he'll be able to because of all these constant camp issues. But, I mean, hey, we don't know. You know, I mean, we, we I don't know. I'm not even saying it's his fault, but, you know, we'll see what happens, man. Um Speaking of boxers, speaking of boxers, um, Clarissa Shields, she talked to Ariel Hawani and said that she is in talks to return to the PFL. Is that something you're interested in? I know that PFL is still trying to make some big acquisitions. She fought twice, went one and one, lost to our girl Abigail Montez. Um, 
But now, you know, I mean, she's Clissa Shields said she's down. She said she wants to improve. She's coming off a big win in her uh, her hometown of Detroit over the weekend, man. What do you, what do you think? I mean, man, that's where the money's at for, you know, female combatants. You know, if she wants to make you the big bucks, she's going to have to do it in MMA, man. I mean, she could do it in boxing and get some good paydays, but it's in comparison to what she could potentially get in MMA, I mean, that's, that's another, it's a lot more. And I don't know if she does, if she's truly serious about this and she can find success. Obviously, she's surrounded herself around the right group and the right people. She could definitely do it. She just has to be committed. But the thing is, it's hard to go back and forth between sports. I mean, I think. I don't know. Let's say if she would have grown up, you know, she would have done the whole Olympic, you know, kind of like a, kind of what Henry did, right? He went to the Olympics, he did the whole wrestling thing, and then he transitioned to MMA. You know, if she would have done the whole thing with that, with boxing in the Olympics, and then transitioned into MMA, and maybe she went back to boxing, maybe she could have got away with it or done some stuff there. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just too hard, I think. But I mean, who knows? Should she, if she's this special as she seems, maybe she could find some success in those sports. It's just gonna be a very tough time. And she's shown that she's uh, she's definitely capable of uh of, you know toughing stuff out and really winning fights you know because we saw her uh, rally back in her in her first fight in MMA and, and get the win. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that um, in terms of Clarissa, I'm glad she's coming back to the PFL. I think it's really cool that she's not just gonna leave on a loss. I think she could have easily have done that and just gone back to boxing, you know, and nobody would have blamed her. You know, um, I think it's actually pretty cool that she's going to come back because I was admittedly never like I was never fully on. I was never a big Clarissa Shields fan, you know, um, but I've become more of a fan over the last few years, man. Like she's just willing to fight anybody at any time, you know, she's willing a dog, to come back to MMA even after losing. What were we saying? She's a dog. Yeah, she is. She's got that dog in her. So prop to Clarissa Shields, man. Um, you know, funnily enough, there's actually one that I'm gonna, actually going to I'm going to break news to you right now. But it's not going to be our final topic. Um, so it's going to it's going to be right now, Angel. Jake Paul. We're not going to we're not talking about a fight right now, Angel. Jake Paul is a YouTuber. He is a boxer. Apparently, he said he's going to do MMA at some point in time. I'm sure he'll fight fucking Roy Jones Jr. in MMA or something. But Angel, he's also now a bot. He's not he's not he's not just a boxer, an MMA fighter, a YouTuber. He's an actor, Angel. Oh, you forgot, just pod- got broke news. You forgot podcaster too, Josh. Podcaster Jake Paul will play make his acting debut. The film follows a small town youth rising to international fame through combat sports. Angel, on a scale of one to ten, give me your letterbox anticipation rating for Jake Paul's. Ted, Josh, <laughs> Ted, I'm so excited. <laughs> you're you're thrilled for it, aren't you? Yes, dude. <laughs> ten. Also, the amount of tickets that will be sold to this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, I just I just saw that on Twitter right now. I had to bring it up, man. <laughs> I mean, shit, dude. I mean, if he does it right, maybe he could be half decent. The most out of nowhere news, man. That's just so funny. Does yeah, that – just anyways, man. I had to bring that up. By the, by the way, when is he going to the debut of the PFL, man? That's what I want to know. I mean, we've seen him with Bo Nickel. You know, he's been doing some stuff there. We saw his brother with Izzy and Volk. Like – you know, when are we going to see Jake in the cage, man? That's a better question. Um, Next year, allegedly? Allegedly. Him and Ngani both debuting the PFL. <laughs> on the yeah, team. right? They're gonna I, fight have, I think that They're if gonna... we're talking about Jake Paul's MMA debut, I think Francis Ngani is looking for an opponent, so I don't <laughs> I mean, it's a million dollars, man. Shit, I, I take that. <laughs> I mean, we talked about this, like, on the on the show, like, for the amount of money that Francis Ngani's PFL's opponent is going to make, 
yo, I got no problem going out there trying to trying to play the dance. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, Josh, when you see red, it's done for for Francis. Yeah, dude. Like, Fran- if it's true that Francis Ngannou's opponents are going to make two million just for fighting him, doesn't matter how they do. Francis Ngannou, I'm calling you out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Once I see red in that PFL smart cage, <laughs> it's over. What's the deal with the PF? Why do they call it the PFL Smart Cage? What's so fucking smart about it anyway? Because it collects data. Supposedly, it's really the data shit. Anyways, I'm not even gonna get into it right now. <laughs> You're not down to talk about the PFL Smart Cage, dude? It's one of the really like I feel like if the Smart Cage wasn't a thing, it would actually make the PFL better. <laughs> As someone who really likes the PFL, enjoys a lot of the fighters, and wishes they would say fuck the tournament style. Yeah. Just be a regular promotion, and, you know, make fights, you know, based on rankings or whatever, or who deserves it. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be a great fucking promotion, actually. But same page too, by the way. Same yeah. page. But they're not doing that, so I feel like they are limiting or at least capping themselves off. Because at one point, I mean, shit, they were the World Series of Fighting. World Series of Fighting had some traction, man. They had Rumble in there. They had Justin Gaethje. They had Marlon Moraes. They had a when they got Marlon Moraes. Yeah, they had a, they had a compelling well, roster at the time. Yep, they did. They, and shit, like I said, they got more than Rice back now, too, but not the version that, le- that left them. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyways, man, I think we should, uh, last topic of the day. Prime is the official sports drink of the UFC, and now Prime has their first ever UFC athletes. Logan Paul and KSI's brand has signed Alexander Volkanovsky and Israel Adesonia to their brand. I think they could not have picked two better people to be straight up with you. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. And then we also got to see a couple training videos of Logan Paul rolling with Volkanovski and rolling with Izzy. That was actually pretty cool, man. What do you think about all this news? I loved it, man. I, I was really curious to see what was going on there. Definitely the right choice. But also, does this mean fuck body armor? Like, is body armor just gone? I believe so. I believe we're on team fuck body armor. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, the UFC no longer has a, the body armor sponsor. I believe so, yes. Uh, hey, hey, man, as someone who really enjoys body armor, this is a little, it's a little heartbreaking, but, you know. I'm yeah, dad I like Prime more than body armor. I, what's your favorite Prime flavor? Probably, probably, uh, what's it? The, that's actually a good question, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, gonna, gonna, I need you to rank your prime, favorite Prime flavors. I have a lot right of them. Now. I've only had a, Two of them. Okay, stat rank. Oh fuck! Have you? How many have you had? I've, wa- I've wanted to try some of the other ones. Like I wanted. Okay, to I've had Ice Pop, Meta Moon, Grape. I found their website. That's how I found all the fucking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I believe that's it actually. Oh no, I had I had a I think I had lemonade maybe. No, I had strawberry watermelon too. So yeah, I've had like four or five of them. Really? I've like I said, I've only had the red and blue one. Ice Pop is like, I, I gotta admit, Ice Pop clears. Ice Pop clears. I mean, if we're being completely honest. I, Ice Pop is S tier? Ice Pop is S tier. I, I mean, I, I told you this story, but I, I think <laughs> it's a couple of, like, weeks ago, I took some edibles, and I took way too much. <laughs> and I woke up at, like, <laughs> 2, 2 a.m. after sleeping for, like, a ridiculous amount of time. Uh-huh. And I went in, and I downed an entire Ice Pop prime. <laughs> it was the most thirsty Oh, I yeah. Had. Yeah, <laughs> you remember the story now? Yes, I did. Dude, if I didn't drink that prime, I was gonna literally die in that kitchen. Well, I mean, Josh, that's why it's the hydration. Well, that's why it's the number one hydration drink of the UFC. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> no, but I, I do want to try the ice pop. I do. I want to try the meta moon. I want to try the lemonade, but, you know, it's fucking impossible to find. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I find them at 7-Eleven in Walmart all the time, so, you know. Damn, I'm, just looking, I'm, I'm just not looking at the right ones. So I guess I'm gonna, so. I'm going to have to head out your way and hopefully get, get myself a little 12-pack with mini fridge. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, I legitimately like Prime. I think I think it's I think it's hilarious because it's like I wasn't expecting to like it. I was kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. Like they got YouTubers have their own drink brand. That's pretty cool. You don't we haven't really seen that before, and it turned out to be actually really fucking good. <laughs> and now they're actually like a staple. They sell a lot. They're everywhere. Like you can find it right. Because you know there was times where YouTubers did have certain products or put out toys or something, and they, you couldn't find a you know. Regularly available everywhere. We're in fucking Kansas and we've had fucking Prime at our gap. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we're not, you know, it's it's like, it's not only in the big major cities. I mean, Prime is everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Just, just, just wait till Prime becomes the official drink of the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think Gatorade has those unlocked. Yeah, that's got that unlocked. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. Because, what is it, the NFL and the NBA both are Gatorade, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely not, unless fucking they drop some crazy bag or something, man. It's never gonna change. But it's nice to see a, a competitor in the mix. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I thought it was really cool getting to see Logan rolling with Vulcan Izzy. Like I've always said, like Logan Paul boxing. Will I watch it? Yes. Logan Paul like doing WWE or even having an MMA fight is way, way more interesting to me. Like, uh, you know, everybody, you know, we, we talk about it, right? Like, but I don't know how many people are aware. Like, Logan Paul, like, wrestled in high school in Ohio, which is one of the greatest wrestling states in the nation. And he was a state champion, you know? And he also wrestled in college, too. Like, he's a bad motherfucker, you know? So I'd, I've always said, like, I would be totally down for a Logan Paul MMA fight. And I would much rather that than a boxing one. But we're probably never going to get that. So get just seeing him with role with Izzy and Volk was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, any closing thoughts on anything else you want to talk about before we go ahead and uh, move on, man? Man, I, I think we did the best out of this week, man. I know definitely the the pay per view is kind of uh, kind of disappointing a lot of people, man. But I think in the end we'll we'll have a lot of fun results and we'll have some fun fights and potentially some sick finishes. I'm excited as always to come back next week and recap with you, man. My favorite time of the week, obviously, and uh, obviously talk about the next week's card, uh, Jerry Kennedy or Marvin Vittori, which is a sick main event, man. Hopefully that one could. Uh, Come out and kind of give us a little bit of a, a revival. But granted, we don't know what's going to happen this week. We could see a potential huge upset in the title fight. Maybe Charles Oliveira continues to run, or but you know, they're used staples his name as number one contender with no questions asked and becoming undeniable. And uh, potentially, we'll probably see him fighting in Abu. You know, probably the next time we'll see these guys will be fighting in Abu Dhabi, right? Mm-hmm. Likely, likely, I'm assuming so. They close close it out pretty well there, man. Yeah, I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I'm at Josh Shivanov on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore O one at Courtside Sound for all things relating to the show. Shout out to everybody who has uh, followed us from TikTok and YouTube and Shorts and so on and so forth. We appreciate it so much. Peace and buggers. Mouse click. <laughs>